I'm no expert, but I think the trail goes this way. But I do see that everybody wants inclusion. Everybody wants people to feel welcome, to feel like the trail is for them. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is episode 7 and season 2, and I am your host, Gizmo. In today's episode, we are going to tackle a topic we don't talk about much. We are going to talk about race on trail. If that's not your thing, that's cool, but I hope you'll stick around for a really great interview with a former thru-hiker of the Pacific Crest Trail who has found herself embroiled in some internet comment wars on this very subject this week. Race, gender... LGBT issues, and other sensitive topics can sometimes be hard for us to talk about. The elephants on the trail, if you will. But there is no community which is greater than the thru-hiking community, in my opinion. And I think if we take the chance to walk a mile or 20 in another hiker's shoes, then we can learn a lot. And the main goal of this podcast is to allow thru-hikers to tell their stories. And that's all stories, you know, not just one story. Because the best part of Through Hikers is how different we all are. And with that said, let's get this interview rolling. My PCT trail name was uh, is Double Springbow. Uh, my real name is Jenna. <laughs> I think you're going to have yeah. to explain that trail name for us because it sounds like a okay, story. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. Whenever people hear my trail name, they're like, "Oh man, that sounds that sounds like a not." <laughs> not so good name. <laughs> so the story happened on the PCT when I was hiking um, in 2012. And I was waiting to go up Scissors Crossing. I was like just going down to sit under the bridge all day while it was like 100 degrees. And I was waiting for it to get, you know, for, for the cool of the day to happen. And while I'm walking to the bridge, I sprained my ankle, like really hardcore sprained my ankle. I heard the pop and everything, but I was in super denial about it, you know, because I'm like (laughs) only the first like 100 miles. I wasn't even in the first 100 miles of the PCT and I had already like super injured myself. Yeah. So, so my partner and I, we decided like, oh, well, maybe it's magically going to heal itself overnight. Let's just like sleep under the bridge and see how it is in the morning. And so I sleep under the bridge, and then the next morning I wake up, and and underneath the bridge is just super soft sand. And so I stand up, I put weight on my bad foot, which then I switch onto my other foot because that's painful. I twist around and I sprain my other ankle. And this is like maybe 10 hours after I had sprained the left one, and then I sprained the right one, and then I'm on the ground screaming, no way, no way, no way. And that song, Double Rainbow, all the way, had just come out on the internet. And I was singing it all the time while hiking. So the first thing that came out of my mouth after No Way was, Double Sprainbow, all the way. I have no idea why I said that. But of course, 
that it was like, oh, well, that's your trail name, obviously. And so it stuck. That's a whole rainbow And the end of the story is that I did hike for another 800 miles before it was like, okay, it's time to go home. This is just painful. <laughs> and you made it another 800 miles on sprained ankles. I know. And let me tell you, anybody who <laughs> thinks that's a good idea is like, wow, that's hardcore. No, it's just dumb. It's just dumb. <laughs> did you have like lasting consequences from that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I like had to go through all sorts of physical therapy. I still get like the strain on one of my legs it's it was not a good thing it was not a good thing but it made for a really interesting trail name that I've never met anybody else with so there you go you are the only double sprainbow I've ever heard of so I think that's that's awesome but but you would say like your advice to other people who sprain both ankles that your advice would not be to continue hiking then well, the <laughs> advice is just never become double sprainbow in the first place. Once you sprain that first ankle, just stop. Just stop. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and just be single sprainbow. Single sprainbow. <laughs> it's not as good as a double sprainbow. The double is always better. <laughs> That's so I funny. I just want to never, ever meet another double sprainbow. If I do meet a double sprainbow, I'm just going to look at them. I'm just going to shake my head and we're just going to hug it out and just be like, sometimes human have dumb moments. What's up? <laughs> That was, like, my biggest fears for the whole Pacific Crest Trail. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, it was, yeah. like, when I could think of, like, you know, like, the hazard risk matrix, like, it's a small hazard, but it's, like, a really high likelihood, I was, like, that is going to happen to me. And, and then it's all going to oh, be yeah, over because I, mean, I tripped on a rock. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I just knew it was going to you know, happen. Everyone was asking about the... People ask about the bears, and they ask about all that stuff, and, I, you know, all my stories about, like, what was the most dangerous thing was like, oh my God, I fell on my face one day and then I fell on my face again the next day. I didn't think I was going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. So that was in 2012. I love hiking. And then you got back on in 2013. I did. I did. You know, like, um, I was really, I felt really defeated by, by being injured and, um, and at the same time I had a family emergency when I got to VVR, uh, Vermilion Valley Resort. And so, and so I had to actually go home because of a family emergency. And so it was bittersweet to have to leave the trail because my plan was to through hike. But then eventually when, you know, I, I went home and I stopped hiking, you, you really start to, you know, feel your injury too when uh-huh. that happens. So it was, yeah, it was really tough. But I was like, you know, I really want to get back out there. And somehow I was able to finagle it to get back out there the next year. And the next year sort of skipped a lot of the parts I had done the year before and just basically hiked until I got snowed out in Washington the next year. Right. Because 2013 had the early snows. Yeah, right? it did. And um, yeah, like that was the year. Well, I guess it's every year where people got <laughs> lost, like up by Stevens Pass. And and I was really glad that I had turned around because uh, I was actually supposed to like hike at the same time where all the people got like had to get rescued. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, it was, that was another bittersweet thing where I was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I have to turn around because of the snow. And so I don't get to finish my hike again, but I think I made the right choice. And the way I've come to look at it now, a few years later is like, well, hey, at least I always have something to look forward to. Right? Like, yeah, (laughs) right. Like Maddie Park is still waiting for me. I still have like all these miles I can still do. So, you know, the PCC is still waiting 
It's still my love. I love it. And I live near it, so it's awesome. I get to be on it all the time. That's really cool. If you could think of one moment during I don't know, either of your big hikes that sort of embodies what brings you back to hiking or, or what inspires your love for it, can you, can you think of a story like that? You know, like this, this moment that sort of sums up everything that's great about through hiking for you? That is so difficult. I, I try to. <laughs> I'm just gonna think throw that one at you. <laughs> I know, and you know, I would like to meet any hiker who's like, "Oh my god, I had that one moment." Because it's like, dude, I was out there for months. It's, <sighs> it's so even years later now, right? It's like four years later from my first hike, and I'm still overwhelmed by the experience. And maybe, maybe that's what it is. That's that sums up kind of through hiking to me is that. It's such this overwhelming experience that it almost can't be pinpoint to one moment. Yeah. You know, because it's like you've okay, I will say this. I remember the first moment on the PCT where I was blown away by just sheer beauty and nature. And it happened in the least natural place on the PCT when you're hiking <laughs> on um, the what is that part where you're, you're hiking over the reservoir or not the reservoir, but the L.A. aqueduct? Yes, you know, I So there you are. Oh, my God, you're hiking on the painful, painful concrete, you know? Yeah. <laughs> For, like, miles and miles, and it's just boring, and it's just flat, and, and you're walking on the water, and you wish you could just drink it. And, and you're so, so far you know, away I mean, from the it, water. <laughs> I know. It's like and, five inches and, and like, just 20 remember, miles. I know, and you, you're, like, walking on that freaking pipe, and it's, like, 100 degrees, and the pipe is, like, sweating because it's so cold with all that delicious water. You can't tap into it. It's such – it's, like, a cruel, cruel joke. <laughs> so, um, but outside of it being this cruel joke, what it also provided was this beautiful moment where um, I decided to, to night hike that section because, you know, I was just like, ah, it, it's just going to be way too hot. And so I, I see the sun, like, come up. And it was it was just so incredibly beautiful. This this area of the PCT, one of the few areas that is just pretty flat, you know. And there's the Joshua trees, and it was just this beautiful sunrise where I don't know. There was just all the oranges and the blues, and it and it was just like something from like a photo, you know. It was those things. It was that moment that you imagined when you when you first looked at pictures of like, oh my god, I'm gonna hike the PCT, and you just saw these overwhelmingly beautiful photos of of the scenery and it was that moment and I just remember stopping like I know oh my gosh I stopped hiking which you know for hikers <laughs> always keep going 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 and I found myself like I couldn't not stop and I didn't pull out my camera I just stopped and I just looked and I was overwhelmed by the moment it was quiet you know, I finally wasn't hot in the desert. <laughs> I, I just took it all in, just the silence of it. And I just remember thinking, like, this is why I'm here. I'm here to feel the silence. I'm here to see nature's beauty. I'm just here to experience it. And it was it was just so awesome, like, in, in every sense of that word. It was – I was just awestruck. And so if that if that encompasses any moment – Maybe that would be it, but I feel like through hiking and long distance hiking is so much more than just about the beautiful things you see. So that that's but that is the one beautiful part. That is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think you know I I think about hikes that I've been on. I sort of like open up that like memory jar and I shake it out 
in my brain and just just rains moments that like just roll out one after the other after the other well i guess i should i should mention that one of the the more memorable moments for me on the pct was when i was hiking um well so in 2012 when i got to the top of mount winnie i was hiking with my boyfriend at the time and he proposed so that was a really wow. like memorable moment. I don't know if that encompasses everybody's PCT experience. <laughs> that's why I think it's like, it, and it, it was such, and I think that's kind of representative of like how overwhelming through hiking like can be is that I didn't even like really think about that moment first. <laughs> it was a really significant thing because it was, it was, a, it was like that. It was a little grain of sand. It was one moment that was part of this much bigger experience that was like even so overwhelming. That was like, Oh, okay, we're engaged. Oh my God. Now we're in the wilderness. This is exciting. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then the and next I'm on year, top of the tallest mountain in the continental United States. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. And he proposed with a, um, a sour gummy, um, ring. Like he didn't even have a real ring. He was like, I figured <laughs> like you candy. could eat this one because I know you don't like to have to carry more weight. <laughs> I'm a total gram weenie. I'm like, oh my god, that weighs one gram. We need to get rid of it. Oh man, that's really funny. So I ate the ring right away because you know I don't want to have to carry it. <laughs> and then we got married the next year in Lone Pine on the street corner in front of um, the Whitney Hostel. Uh, what is that? The I think it's called the Mount Whitney Hostel, something like that. But we got married on the street corner there uh, that next year when we threw hiked again. Wow. Just by a, like the local yeah, so, justice of the peace or another. I feel like I need to hear this story. <laughs> you didn't tell me that you yeah. had this great love story. Jeez, holding out on yeah, me. Yeah, well, you know, because it's like we didn't meet on the PCT, so it's it's not like oh my god, we met we met at Campo and then we got married in Lone Pine. That would be that would be nuts because I've heard that story before. I'm like, wow, people. <laughs> You're awesome. But uh, no, we had planned on it uh, that we would get married on trail. We didn't know how that was going to happen. And we decided that we just kind of wanted it to be in the spirit of a through hike in the sense that like you think you plan things and then you just roll with it. And so we're like, okay, we're going to get married. We'll probably do it here, but let's just sort of see what happens. And so in advance, I had researched which towns were near like um, a county seat so that we could get our marriage license. And we have found out that Independence, which is just up the road from Lone Pine, it's kind of like in between Lone Pine and Bishop, uh-huh. uh, was the county seat of Inyo. So we actually got our, we got a hitch. We came out of Horseshoe Meadow and we got a hitch all the way to Independence to directly to the courthouse because our ride was super excited for us. She's like, oh my God, <laughs> I get to drive you to the courthouse. She was super uh, excited. Um, so she like even took pictures of us like walking up to the courthouse. She was so fun. And so we went there, we got the license, we got another hitch back, back down into Lone Pine. And, um, we did the super classy thing of ordaining another hiker as one of those online ministers. Oh yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) and so, and we just found one of those where you just like instantly become ordained. And Uh so we, um, we just knew a hiker that we just like had met just a few miles before. We were just like, Hey, you want to marry us? And she was so excited. She's like, yeah. So we're like, okay, let's meet down on the corner, like in two hours. And so (laughs) 
<laughs> we met on the street corner and we, well, what we did was we went up into the hostel where like you know all the hikers were staying and we're just like hey we're getting married who wants to like be our wedding guest if you want to like come down onto the corner and so maybe like a dozen hikers or maybe not even that but just whoever was there I don't even know any of their names we didn't know any of them but they came <laughs> and they stood on the corner and a local who was taking her goats across town because you know that's happens in Lone Pine people just walk around with goats and stuff <laughs> so we were like hey oh. we need some guests would you like your goats to be the guests and they stood there too she was so excited too so we had goats and we had hikers and somebody who had just been ordained <laughs> as a minister <laughs> like not just two hours before and we had this ceremony and she did a great job it was amazing what somebody can pull off in two hours and uh, then we had our wedding reception at the pizza joint there in town and we bought the world's worst cake from the grocery store there in Lone Pine. <laughs> Do not buy cake at the grocery store in Lone Pine. It is so gross. But, um, you know, we turned it into a cake fight because it tasted terrible. Uh-huh. And it was, I mean, and then we hiked out the next morning. We stayed in town. And well, the best part is when I look at our wedding photos, I realized, oh my God, we got into town and we had so much to do because we were also resupplying in that time right before our wedding ceremony. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> we hadn't showered. We were both super gross. If you look at our wedding photos, we're wearing our hiking clothes. I'm still wearing my hat and, like, my sun gator. And, like, we just look salty and nasty. But it was the most fun <laughs> wedding I've ever been to. Well, that's perfect because it was yours. <laughs> Exactly. And we just we just had it the other day. So it was like, oh, wow. You know, Facebook like pops up, like share your memories. I'm like, oh, look, it's us with the goats. Right. Oh, man, that's great. (laughs) Well, you know, when you were talking about how like all these experiences are like these little grains of sand sort of accumulate to form this this overwhelming pile of of thing, whatever a through hike is. You know, we've talked earlier, and there's another grain of sand in this experience, and it's interesting because it also happened at Lone Pine, but I don't think you would bring it up as a positive experience, and I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk about that story. Oh, yeah, the Lone Pine story. When I was in Lone Pine... um, And was this in 2012, then? This was in 2012, yeah. So I was in Lone Pine um, to resupply... And so I was walking over to the grocery store and there was a a group of like three men. They were standing on the corner right by the grocery store. And I saw them harassing these three Chinese tourists that were walking by them. As soon as the Chinese tourists walked by them, they went, ni hao ma, or like, you know, they're trying to say hello in Chinese, but they're obviously not trying to say hello. They're just harassing these people. They kept doing it over and over again. And so I just saw that and was like, no freaking way. I wonder if they're going to say anything to me when I pass them, because I'm seeing this from like a half a block away. And so I decided, okay, let's see what happens. I walk past them, and the same thing happens. This man shouts ni hao ma at me. And I just like, I just suddenly felt (laughs) really like shocked, even though I knew it was coming. I was like, no way, dude, you not just do that. So I I slowly turn around and I just start walking up to him all like intense and I'm like doing the head and the finger and everything. I was like, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Oh my God. And I decided just to not be quiet about it. I got all up in his face and I 
I was just like, you do not say things like that. Do you know how incredibly racist that is? And the lecture I gave him was incredibly personal to me because if you don't know anything about um, that area in Lone Pine, right down the street, a, a few miles from Lone Pine, is a World War II internment camp where um, Japanese Americans were sent. And it's the exact same internment camp that my grandparents were sent to. Uh, my family was sent there during World War II. They lost everything. I mean, they were being threatened to be sent back to Japan, even though they were American citizens. I mean, so it, when I think of that, it's a very visceral reaction. It's a very sad reaction. It makes me angry sometimes when I think about it. Um, because I feel like sometimes people don't understand that, that, that story of, of how personal it is, uh, for people like me. And then, so to have this incident happen in Lone Pine, where I'm very aware of what this town is. So um, it was, that that, I couldn't help but kind of react at this guy. That knowledge that like your grandparents had, had been there as a result of this, like very deep seated racism against the Japanese people at the same time, yeah. like this, this incident is happening to you. It must have yeah, felt sort of you know unbelievable, to be honest. Like, like really? Yeah, it really, and it really was because of, um, because I was hiking. You know, when you when you take on this a on this huge hike, oftentimes, you know, what people think about and what hikers think about is like, wow, I'm gonna get away from everything, right? I'm gonna get get away from my my freaking stressful job, or I'm gonna get away from TV and the politics and. And all that front country stuff that we want to get to or get away from by, by you know, going into the back country and getting into that space of like, ah, I'm, I'm just, I'm me, I'm free of society, you know. And I know like as a woman, it was really exciting to be like, wow, I don't have to wear makeup for the next few months and, and I don't have to shave my legs and, and that societal expectation. It was really, for me, leaving from Campo, I had this idea of like, wow, I'm going to go into the wilderness and I get to be free. And then when I got into Lone Pine, it really, really burst that bubble, that that kind of through hiker bubble, you know, that you kind of get into. You're like, wow, life is so great and everything's so great. And, oh, look at everyone's just, you know, doing trail magic. I love life. And then, you know, so then to have this person just all of a sudden make my I mean, he didn't point out my race to me, um, but it made me hyper aware of my race and it made me hyper aware of the fact that those types of attitudes that sent my family to the internment camp still exist. Um, it, it might not be as blatant, but the, the exoticizing of other people, the thinking that this type of behavior is just like, okay, was obviously still there. And so it was, it, it was a difficult moment for me because I was all of a sudden thrown back into my front country life in a, in a really harsh way. And I, I yelled at the guy for probably longer than I should have. I, I <laughs> just kept telling, I was like, do you know what happened on the street? You know, do you know, it's the attitudes like this that cause things like that to happen, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept talking to him. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't insulting towards him. I, I probably was a little bit when I was like, what's wrong with you? But I, I really tried to explain to him why I was so upset and eventually this man who is probably I mean he was very tall he was a very tall big guy I saw this this large man sort of cower and just his eyes turn down eventually and he starts muttering like 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm sorry. And I was like, what? What are you saying? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, you're sorry. You know you're sorry. And I was like, that's right. You're not going to say anything like that again. And I, I walked away. I resupplied <laughs> in the grocery store because, you know, that was my priority at that moment. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to grab all the Snickers before all the rest of the hikers grab the Snickers. And then I came <laughs> out of the grocery store. And um, I was nervous. I wasn't sure if he was going to be there, if there was going to all of a sudden be him plus, like, way more of his friends or what was going to happen. Um, but what ended up happening was he was gone, but one of his friends stayed and he waited for me and I was nervous when I saw him and, uh, he went right up to me and he was like, you know, I just want to say, sorry, I wanted to apologize for my friend. And uh, one thing I want to say is that like these men, when I say men, it's because they're men. They're not like 15 year old boys harassing me. These are like men in their forties. And so Jeez. the friend apologizes to me and he's like, that was really, you know, uh, ignorant of my friend and he shouldn't have done like that done something like that I shouldn't have laughed that wasn't funny then he tells me that he's part of the Manzanar uh, fishing club and that's the name of the internment camp Manzanar it's this area and he said you know there's a, a a museum there's even a museum in Lone Pine about the internment camps and he said I learned about it I learned about what happened to your family and I'm so sorry that that happened and we should have known better I'm sorry and we ended up talking for like 10 minutes and where I just said like hey, you know, thanks, thank you so much for, like, actually staying and talking to me and acknowledging what happened. And, you know, it that kind of helped me feel a little bit better about the experience, but I I was really shaken by it. Yeah, I feel like when, when you think back on it, you know, at the time, it definitely seemed like it shocked you, but in retrospect, are you surprised that this happened to you? No, not really. I mean, you know, people of color are afraid to go into small towns. Oftentimes, you know, there's a, there's a worry for your safety because you see trucks with like Confederate flags and, and you just see people like with guns and it's scary. It's scary because you don't know if those people are just people with guns, but they're really nice or all these, are these people racist and they might stare at you and they might follow you because those things happen. I mean, this, these things don't happen, you know, just in my head. I'm worried because they have happened to me. And so the idea of, oh, my gosh, we'll never go into a big town. We're just going to be going into small town after small town. What is that going to mean? My husband at the time was just like, oh, you know, don't worry. This is a really popular trail. It'll be okay." which for the most part has been my experience. Like the actual town people are very nice and very welcoming. Um, But I wondered, I wondered if we would have little incidences here and there. So when it happens, you know, and this incident in Lone Pine and I told my husband, he, he wasn't shocked. <laughs> he wasn't like, Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. He just sort of rolled his eyes and he's like, uh, small town, you know? And yeah. so, and I wanted to, yeah, to address in retrospect, that because, it wasn't surprising <laughs> because I think for maybe a lot of us who aren't people of color, we wouldn't, that, you know, that doesn't cross our mind as something to be concerned about. And, and that did for you. And what I'm leading up to is the current, uh, I don't know what the word I want to use for. Maybe not a fiasco, but like drama llama, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> on, <laughs> on the internet, and what? what... I like, that sounds like a trail name right there, drama llama. <laughs> drama llama. It would be a good one for for the right person, probably. <laughs> but but what? Happened and everyone's is... like, dude, you need to avoid drama llama. <laughs> like it's just dude, there, there's a reason don't for the name. Drama llama, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, you want to avoid drama llamas, but you had you had your own own personal drama llama come up. All right, so I'm going to cut into the interview for a minute here to provide a little background for the rest of the interview, and also the reason for the interview taking place in the first place. You see, earlier this week, a very nice hiker known as Double Sprainbow started up a new Facebook page for hikers of color called Hikers of Color. <laughs> And to help hikers of color who might be interested in joining such a group to actually find out about it, she posted about the group and some of the other hiking Facebook groups. And if you're not familiar with Facebook groups, these are just discussion groups where other Facebook users can talk about similar interests with other people who may not necessarily be a a personal friend. You know, these are internet communities. And I'm in a lot of these groups myself because I like to stay plugged in with the hiking community when I'm off trail, and they can be a really great way to do that and, and to connect with like-minded people. And even when I was on trail, these groups turned out to be a great way to communicate about like on-trail conditions such as fires or closures or dry water sources, that kind of thing. So... When Double Sprainbow posted in some of these hiking groups about her her new Facebook group, what ended up happening was this huge flurry of comments and people flaming each other, the threads blowing up, getting shut down by moderators, the whole shebang. And it did not turn out to be a very productive experience in general. But I was really struck by the pushback and how there seemed to be a real lack of understanding between some different groups of people in these online communities. But I also knew, based on my own trail experiences, that if we had the chance to really sit down and listen to each other, like if we were on trail, that we'd probably have a much better chance of understanding each other. So I sent Double Sprainbow a message on Facebook, and that's how this whole interview ended up happening. And that's the context for the rest of this conversation. And and fortunately, I like to think that the internet is like a worse place than than the real world. I don't know if that's, that's true or not, but... I kind of feel like it brings out yeah. the worst of people, so it makes me hopeful for, like, real life. <laughs> like, okay, if we can deal with the internet. But, um, anyhow, I'm just I'm just sort of rambling. But what I'm getting at is that you recently started a, a Facebook group called uh, Hikers of Color. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, and you um, posted about it on a couple of the, the big hiking groups just so people who would be interested in it would know about it. And predictably... Lots of people were very upset about this. And I think one of the biggest questions that that kept coming up in the comment threads that resulted from you posting this was why why would you need this? And and not understanding your motivations behind it. And I think, you know, like the story that you shared and and in this context of your lived experience, like obviously there's there's different things that hikers of color have to think about that have not crossed the minds of lots of other people. And it's reasonable to want a little corner of the internet to have a place to talk about that, it seems to me. But this seemed like a really difficult idea for for a lot of other people. Do you have like any any thoughts on to why that is? Well, oh, how do I put this? This one's a sticky one. It's... To me, I I wasn't surprised when I saw people's comments because I find that that attitude or that perception 
of why why do people need their own spaces is a pretty common narrative in our society. And and I think it's just because people are afraid of what that that means for themselves, maybe if because if maybe okay, for example, um, like when the women of the PCT group started, it had a very, very similar reaction where somebody posted it, you know, said I created this group, women of the PCT, and there was a lot of questions like, why do you need your own space? Can't you guys just talk about these issues here on the main page? Um, and I don't think, you know, when I looked at all those comments, similar to, to the post that I just posted the other day, I don't see a lot of people say like, hating on women or hating on people of color. It's more that people are afraid that it's a reflection of maybe something going wrong. Like there's, they're saying, oh my gosh, women want to have their own page. And all these men came out and are saying, we're not sexist, we're not sexist. And, and I think it's that people have worked really hard to move forward together. And so they don't want to see what they see as maybe a step back because it took a lot to get women just, for example, you know, women into hiking. And so it's exciting to have women on the main page. And, and so when you have women there, you feel like, wow, okay, everything is equal. It's all great. And then when they pull away, there's a reaction of, but I thought this was going well. I didn't, why, why is this happening? And I think that the answer, you know, is, is pretty obvious in that things aren't equal between the sexes in reality. That's why the women were pulling away. And, you know, women still go through harassment and often subtle forms of misogyny in the hiking world all the time. And I don't think that people want to have to face that reality sometimes. You know, by creating a women's only group, it pointed out to people that um, that thought that everything was fine and equal, that, you know, we still actually have a long way to go when it comes to gender equality. So I think that the same thing happened when I posted about the Hikers of Color group. What I saw was a lot of people having to face a reality that they would rather think like just doesn't exist. Uh -huh. You know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, were those comments made on your post racist? And my answer to that is yes and no. You know, so they weren't racist in the sense that people were using overt racial slurs or saying that people of color don't belong on trail, you know, but they were racist in the way that they were dismissive of the needs of people of color. Yeah. It's like, um, so going back to my women of the PCT example. So like when commenters were saying women don't need, you know, a separate group, I think it's easy to hear how that like sentiment is grounded still in misogyny that, you know, women's needs for a separate group was being totally discounted uh, just because other people were demanding that we live in an equal society when we don't. And so that's how those comments on my post for the hikers of color kind of felt to me. Like, were they blatantly racist? No, but were the comments grounded in systemic racism, you know, that makes it okay to constantly dismiss the voices of marginalized people? Yes. Sorry if my answer is a little, you know, long. I hope it's not too confusing here, but I, I think this is an important thing to address of what's going on because what's going on here is a lack of understanding for what people of color go through and also a lack of acknowledgement that hikers of colors have separate needs and deserve to be heard, especially when they express those needs. They need to not just be dismissed. But I think that's 
difficult still in our society for people to have to face certain realities such as you know the fact that misogyny still exists and that racism is pervasive and I feel like you've really nailed it on the head there where like it's a sense of like disappointment that sort of like yours like that having your bubble burst you know that that although we've made so much progress there's still lasting effects of historical sexism and racism and these things do still have real impacts on real people which is disappointing yeah definitely (laughs) but that doesn't mean they're not real Exactly. And, you know, I, I posted um, about the Hiker to Color group in, in a few places. And one place was in the Women of the PCT group, which is a closed group. And for the most part, I got really supportive comments. Like, as soon as I posted it, there was just like, go, Jetta, go you. Yeah, keep it up. Awesome. Um, but there were a few comments uh, from some people who, you know, were like, I don't understand why you're doing this. I mean, they weren't they weren't attacking, but they really were just asking, like, why why would people of color need their own group, you know, aren't you just causing more segregation and more division? And I expected comments like that on the main page, um, but I was surprised to see that on the Women of the PCT page, just because the Women of the PCT page is a segregated group. It's a closed group only for women. um, And it's not, you know, because women hate men. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the hiking men. Most of the women in that group are still in the other hiking communities. Yeah, yeah. And like that's that that's what I sort of see like the hikers of color thing as, you know, it's it's not about, hey, everybody leave the main page. It's about like, hey, here's a supplemental thing to talk about, you know, the the issues that are specific to you. And then like, you know, when you have more generic questions, please, please ask the bigger group because it, it is a useful resource and it's not about pulling away and so, yeah, I mean, I, I just found that surprising on the women's page where what what that pointed out to me, sorry, I totally went on a tangent there, but so what it pointed out to me by when some women having some comments um, about why is this happening is that I realized that there there isn't a, an awareness, I think, generally in our larger society about what the experience for people of color is like and that we have unique experiences that we only want to share with other people of color, just like how women only want to share about their unique experiences with women, um, just because they, they don't want to get trolled. I mean, obviously, the drama llama thread uh, showed what, what it is to just, I mean, I didn't even say like, I hate all white people, blah, blah. I just said, hey, people want to join a group. I didn't even say like, let's open a discussion about race and hiking. This was just like, hey, people, if you want to join a group, join a group. And it caused this massive thing i mean just this is flame war it was it was really weird to watch so you know it's it just shows me yeah like people people just aren't aren't aware and i'm hoping that you know i don't know people eventually come around and and be a little more open and and see like oh the women of the pc2 group uh has not actually deterred women from hiking it's actually probably maybe brought more women in and and feeling more comfortable that they have a space where that they know they can talk and when they say hey look the women of the pct group exists oh hikers support women having to deal with those issues i remember like there's this one part of the of the comment thread that especially stuck out to me and i think someone commented you know like why something along like why would you need to start this group the trail sees no color and, and you <laughs> replied back to that. You said, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. 
Yeah. And that's, that's the whole, that is like the, what it boils down to, I think, is that, is that it wasn't true for you. And that's why there would be the support network needed. And that's all it, all that it is. It's not insidious or, or to separate people. It's so. Well, I think one thing that needs um, to be pointed out is about that comment. What I found really amusing about that comment because um, I hear that a lot. The, the trail sees no color. The trail is colorblind, or or like when the you know the people say that about gender too. You know the the trail sees no gender, which I completely and totally agree with. Um, the trail, the physical trail itself, does not care who you are. That's right. You know that's why it's so awesome and so great is that the trail doesn't say like oh no you you can only hike you know here if you're over the age of. 50 and you know blah 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 like there's not all these qualifications anybody can go on the trail um but there needs to I, I feel like hikers need to maybe ground themselves back in like actual reality that the trail is one thing the hiking community is a different thing right yeah, to me the trail the is, is a physical thing and yeah look at and, the color and so of people the hiking say, community <laughs> it's so yeah. white yeah, exactly. So it's like when people say, like, oh, well, the trail is colorblind. It's true. The trail is colorblind, but that doesn't make hikers colorblind. And um, it doesn't make your towns that you visit colorblind. It doesn't make the people who don't pick you up or do pick you up for hitchhiking colorblind. You know, so there is a huge aspect of the trail that has nothing to do with the actual trail itself. The trail is a vehicle for this community to come together. That that's one way to kind of view it. Um, and it, in terms of how people of color experience it, if let's say people of color could, you know, lived in this ideal world where there was no racism, there was no systematic oppression, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They could totally hike on the trail and it would feel like the trail is colorblind. Um, but for now, you know, when a hiker is hiking by themselves, okay, I, all I can do is talk about my own experience. Um, as a person of color, when I hit the trail, I, I don't hike every step thinking I'm Asian, I'm Asian or something like that. You know, I'm not <laughs> hyper aware of my race the whole time, but I think just like being a woman, I, there are moments of things where I become aware. Okay. So for women, you know, when, when I know of hiking as a woman, if I'm hiking alone and all of a sudden, you know, I see a, a man like who looks like maybe they're not a through hiker and they just look kind of sketchy, you know, I start to feel nervous and maybe they don't even look sketchy. It's just my own internal paranoia and like my own fear um, that exists because of the society that we live in, you know, where women don't always feel safe being by themselves. So, you know, maybe while you're hiking, alone as a woman you're not aware that you're a woman and then suddenly you just have this moment where you're like oh yeah I I have to take care of my safety and be a little bit more wary and then you remember like oh yeah I'm not just a person I'm a woman so I have to be aware and uh, I think for people of color it's the same thing you know you you want to be free of having those ideas about about labels and all these things but then little things will happen yeah well, how about to end things up on a more optimistic note? What makes you the most hopeful about the hiking community and the the hiking community of color? I think the first <laughs> thing that makes me most hopeful the the first thing that makes me most hopeful is the response to the hikers of color 
group from hikers of color you know we we have 100 people in it already and it's existed for just like a couple days and the posts that people are putting in there you know are just so incredibly supportive and amazing they're they're people saying like thank you so much i i didn't know i needed a group like this and i am able to share stories that i couldn't share before i'm able to ask questions that i couldn't ask before you know, and um, people just posting other resources, you know, like, hey, here's here's hiking groups for that, that are promoting diversity, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just it's a great place for resources. And, and I, I'm hearing stories. And um, sadly, I am hearing stories about people's experience with racism on trail. So because I know that's a big question that people have is like, is there racism on trail? Because a lot of people of color haven't experienced it. They and, and I'm really happy for those people that they haven't experienced anything negative. But I have heard stories in the group. And so I want people to be aware that things do happen. It's just that people don't talk about it on the main page or they're not talking about it with um, the larger hiking community. But stories are happening. And so I'm I'm hopeful that by providing this space, people will feel welcome on trail. I know I can't stop racism or I can't stop feeling people from feeling marginalized, but I see that by providing this space, people feel like they're not alone. You know, when one person shared a story, all of a sudden all these other stories came out and people are like, wow, you know, I have a story too. And for me, when I saw that, I was like, wow, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one with a Lone Pine story. Like, oh, thank goodness. Just not feeling alone feels so much better. So that that's one thing I'm really hopeful for is that I don't know if this hiking group that I created will grow any more than it. it it's 100 small members right now, but I'm hoping that it at least starts a discussion or or at least people of color can say like, oh, there is a space for me. Even if they don't join it, they're like, oh, there is a resource for me if I need it. And so hopefully it'll bring in more people of color into through hiking, into long distance hiking, or just one mile hiking, whatever, whatever gets people of color out there. And also the drama llama, super drama, drama llama. Oh my God, that's what I'm so, and it's not even the PCT. <laughs> I mean, what I want also people to know is that that wasn't the only drama llama thread. That was just the one on the PCT page. There was the one on the JMT page and there was the AT page. And oh my God, it's, and it's going to continue while I continue to uh, kind of c- continue to promote this because of the reactions. I see that the group is necessary. So I'm just going to keep putting it out there and causing more drama llama. I apologize to the whole hiking community that I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those people who's going to be posting. Sorry. But what I see when I, when I read, I really took the time to read every single comment on these threads and to really think about it and to not just react and say, oh my God, everybody hates me and they're racist. Because when I took the time to sit down and to read through all the comment threads, what I saw was not a lot of hate. I didn't see people saying, get those people of color out of there. I mean, I did see people saying, oh my God, get rid of Jenna. This, this woman's crazy. But <laughs> Personally, what I did you, hear... But... Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, you know, whatever, like, fine, go ahead. But it, it's the internet. I'm sure there's people who just like hate me because they're like, oh my God, your profile picture isn't good enough. Like, whatever. <laughs> but what I did see was people arguing about the best way to keep people included. You know, people might have been against the idea that people of color need their own hiking group, but they were only against it because they were saying, you know, we are equal. And maybe that's, that's their, you know naivete or maybe a little bit ignorance about about racial equality and its place in America right now. 
But what I did see were people saying, I want people of color on trail. I don't want you to separate yourself out from us. I, we want you guys to feel included in the community. And that's what the argument was about was like, oh my gosh, how do we move forward? How do we move forward together, everybody together? And my idea happens to be, hey, let's provide separate safe spaces. And maybe that's not what everybody else wants, but I do see that everybody wants inclusion. Everybody wants people to feel welcome, to feel like the trail is for them. And so when I hear people say the trail is colorblind, no matter how much that annoys me, I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> I really do. I honestly appreciate the no, sentiment that's awesome. that people are saying you're included. And so even though I created a firestorm, I think I just brought up a topic that maybe people hadn't thought up of before and maybe this will create a little bit more discussion and awareness amongst the hiking community in general i mean that wasn't my goal in posting those things i really honestly i didn't even really think about that much about the firestorm that would happen i was just like i just want to post this thing to find people and maybe it'll create something but whatever it'll die down after a while just like the women of the pct page no one really like criticizes it anymore and there's not a bunch of drama and people have seen that even more women are coming to the trail and that it's okay that the separate group exists. Um, this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that eventually the drama will die down and, you know, people will just say like, oh, it exists. And look, even more people of color are coming out to the trail. Everything's fine. We made it through the drama llama. <laughs> it was totally yeah, cool. I, we were a hiking community and we did it. I think that's, that's, that's something I do want to just reemphasize for you is that you didn't do this to separate. You did this to help help bring more inclusion and that there might be some arguing about the methods but like this isn't about separatism this is about making the hiking community a place where it truly does welcome everybody and I think that that's that's like one of my goals for sure with this podcast and I think we can all I'll aim for that for sure So big thanks to Double Sprainbow for her generosity with her time and with her personal story. One of the exciting things I'm seeing with the trail is how it is truly becoming a place for everyone of every age, every color, every gender, you name it. And I'm really happy the trail community is growing up enough to have some of these conversations. And I think it just keeps getting better and better. And in the meantime, Let's all just take a minute to remember Bill and Ted's advice. Be excellent to each other. <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. And also remember that when you say mean things to people on the internet, you are saying them to a real person. And so it's always good to keep that in mind too. And so the best way to stay out of all of that is to actually not be on the internet in the first place and we should all be hiking. But in the meantime, and until next week, this is Sounds of the Trail. <laughs>